This is Masks Off. I am Tia Fagan. And I'm Kim Gross. Who are you behind the masks you wear? We are here to have real conversations about how to live a more empowered and authentic life. So join us, remove your masks, live your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Masks Off. I am Kim. And I'm Tia. And we're so excited to be here today with another guest, and we'll introduce her in just a minute. But I do want to begin with sharing a quote because we always begin with a quote. And today's quote is actually from Janet's book, which I'm holding up right here to show up for yourself. And... The quote that we're going to share today is feeling the sensations and pain is like touching the bottom of the deep end of the pool. Once you do, you can push off, come to the surface and breathe again. Mm. So Janet, that is your quote from your book. Do you want to take a moment and introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Thanks so much. I first want to say thank you um, to both of you for having me on the podcast. It's super exciting. I love listening to it. So I hope I can add value. But I am Janet Philbin, and I help people break free from the painful stories of their past by healing from the inside out so they can become emotionally whole once again. Mm-hmm. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, a certified hypnotherapist, and a certified conscious parenting coach certified through Dr. Shafali's Conscious Parenting Coaching Method Institute. (laughs) I've been doing this work for 21 plus years um, with my clients in a private practice. And I've been a social worker for more than 30. And I've had the real deep honor, actually, of being by at this point, countless people's sides through their own transformation and healing, no matter what the pain was in their life. So I really truly believe, because I've had my own personal experience with my own healing, that all of us have the ability to heal when we're willing to be brave enough to go inside and and look at what's causing the pain. It's Mm -hmm. not always fun, but we can always get through it. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah, it's so amazing and how you've been supporting people for so long and using pain as that portal. And that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today is, you know, with that quote and with what you just shared is how so many people want to avoid pain because it's painful and it hurts. But in reality, the pain is what helps us heal. And so can you share a little bit about, you know, a story or anything that's coming to mind right now about how the pain helps us, you know, take a look at the mask that we're wearing, why we're wearing them, how it's influencing our life choices and that there's another way. Yeah. So if we could look at pain as a helper instead of a herder to ourselves, then we're actually giving ourselves an opportunity to step forward and kind of take a step closer to our own heart Mm -hmm. because the pain is there as a clue for you to follow along the way. Why does this hurt? Well, it's hurting for a reason, right? It didn't just hurt for no reason. 
If I'm walking along and I don't step on anything, my foot's not going to hurt. But if I'm walking along and I step on a thumbtack, it's going to hurt. And I'm going to have to stop. I'm going to have to sit down. I'm going to have to look at the bottom of my foot and pull the tack out. But we don't do that with emotions, right? We just shove it down, shove it down, shove it down. And we try to avoid because no one really wants to feel the pain. But the problem in doing that is we will we run out of room on the inside. The physical body is only right as, as far as our skin can stretch. So some people will stretch their skin, right? And try to make more room inside and maybe they wind up with a weight issue or they try to shrink themselves and maybe they wind up with a weight issue on the other way. But all of it, no matter what we're doing to avoid our pain, whether it's becoming an eating disorder or disordered eating, and I don't even know why I'm going there, but it just came. So I'm sorry, but I go with what shows up in my mind. Um, or another way of coping, which we learn to help us, is really just a way to try to make ourselves feel better from the pain. So we just wind up hiding behind any mask. Like pick one. You guys are great at talking about masks. So pick a mask. We're going to find pain under it, right? Exactly. So it's, if we can start welcoming that pain and say, okay, I see you there. I'm going to comfort you for a minute. Something upsetting happened in my house yesterday. And I was ugh, a wreck inside and I was upset. And while waiting for it to pass, while breathing through it, I grabbed one of my dogs. One dog wouldn't have it. I had to grab the second dog and I just had to hold the dog and sit on the couch and feel the upset, feel the pain and let it pass through me. It didn't change the situation of what I was going to have to deal with, but by letting that pain pass through me, by acknowledging it, by talking to it, by talking to myself, by understanding this is something that's caused, something happened outside of me, but it caused a reaction inside of me and taking care of those internal reactions allowed me to move through it and not get stuck in it. So within a few hours, it did take a few hours, it takes time, I, I did feel balanced and better again. So I invite your listeners and your viewers to look at the pain as an invitation of what needs attention within me. Some part of me is hurting. Mm -hmm. I hope that answered the question. I feel like I went a little off. No, no I think it, oh, it's beautiful because you sat with your pain in the moment. You know, you, it never had a chance to get stuck inside you. So it comes back beautifully to your beginning of when you step on a thumbtack or something. So you literally sat with your thumbtack of that emotional pain and felt it like we do with the physical pain. And then you pulled the thumbtack out as you sat with your dog and allowed it versus having an internal infection almost with pain. When yeah. you leave that pain stuck there, mm -hmm. it just as if you would leave that physical nail or thumbtack or whatever, it would start to get infected and start to create more issues versus dealing with it in the moment. So what would happen if someone doesn't deal with it in the moment and it starts to fester and they shove it down? What, how do you help people bring that back up to feel old pains? 
Yeah, I think that's funny because that's right where my brain was going even before you asked me that question. So I could have made different choices yesterday and not dealt with the pain, right? I could have said, um, let me have a cookie. Let me have chips. Let me have a drink because I don't want to feel this. So then for a brief moment, I feel satisfied because I, I put something inside that to me was a comfort, whatever I chose. Maybe some people like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It doesn't matter. But we do that. But what that does is it squelches the feeling, right? And so I temporarily feel better, but I didn't solve anything because it's still under the surface. Maybe my nervous system is still shaky. Maybe I start to get anxious. Maybe I start to get sad. And now all of a sudden, I'm experiencing sad. I'm experiencing nervous. I'm experiencing anxiety. Um, give me an emotion. We might be experiencing it. But now we've separated from ourself. We've separated from that true self. And I'm sad, anxious, depressed, worried, something over here. And I don't know why. So then I get into a whole story. Why do I always feel this way? I'm always sad. I'm always depressed. I'm always lonely. But this came up again because something in the now happened that caused pain. And instead of saying, oh, hello, what do you want from me? I go, oh, no, I don't want you. And I push it down. So then we experience those emotions that lead to the stories, that lead to the patterns, that lead to the beliefs. And give me my mask. And I'm yes. putting it on. Oh, so beautifully said. So I have a question. Sure. Slash uh, example situation. So I totally get what you're saying when a situation will come up in my life. Say if I have a conflict with someone or a specific event triggers an emotion within me. At this point in my journey, I'm pretty good at going inward, feeling the feelings. And literally I'm at the point now where my energy centers, I feel them squeeze and tighten, like I can feel it in my whole body and I squeeze and squeeze and then release. And I can feel like it literally dissipating. And that's, you know, something I wasn't taught as a kid who none of us were right. Really taught to sit with our feelings. It's like, Oh, you know, be seen, not heard and blah, 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 push it down. You're invisible, whatever. So I understand that what comes up for me that is still the struggle that I can't wrap my brain around is when I go to the behavior of the cookies or whatever, and there's not a quote triggering event. Mm -hmm. So if it's happening like habitually, so for example, like the time for me and we are doing this like in, in Luminous now, the challenge, and you can see different, different people posting when their, tr their triggers are. Mine is mostly in the evening, and it does feel like after a day of like grinding or whatever. So a little bit, I can tell it does feel like it's anxiety and I want to calm it down, maybe. But I'm not sure if that's necessarily it. The behaviors there, I see it, but I don't. And even if I sit and sit with it, as you're saying, you know, the energy, the emotion, it doesn't always take away the need and urge to still do hand to mouth. Right. So I, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on when it's something more habitual and there isn't a, an obvious 
triggering event for the pain? It's such a good question. And it's something that comes up time and time again in therapy, time and time again, as you can imagine. And I think it's something every single one of us struggle with, especially when it comes to food. And let me just grab this quick thing and throw it in my mouth. But again, I, I really believe, and I've come to see in the work I've done with my clients, that it still is coming from an unmet need. And even though it's not obvious, that drive to fill a void is still there. And maybe on a day where you've worked yourself to the bones, Kim, the void is I'm empty and I need to fill up and I need to do something that I feel I'm getting some comfort out of. Not because there was a specific trigger, but just because you're drained. Now, there's still nothing wrong with going and, and getting your cookie, whatever it might be, or your piece of cake, whatever somebody likes. What I encourage people to do is just what you're doing is to pause a moment, sit with it, but go deeper, tune in. Where is this coming from? You're aware of your chakras. What chakra is crying out that it needs something right now? All of them. All of them. <laughs> so what is it really asking you? The behavior is, let me grab the cookie because I'm looking to feel better, feel full in some way, feel nourished in some way. So then we have to kind of flip that question. What's not feeling nourished within me? What's not feeling better within me? And sometimes, um, especially when it comes with to food, I don't know, we're talking about food a lot today. Um, <laughs> we'll just go with it. When it comes to food, what I ask my clients to do is just to keep a little notebook, a little journal, and ask them to write down in that moment, what need am I trying to meet right now? Mm -hmm. And see what shows up. And maybe it's like, I just want to feel better. I just want the damn cookie. I don't even need to know why. That's okay. I'm not telling anyone don't have it. I'm just asking you pause a minute and determine why. A lot of times, if we can understand the drive behind it, the unmet need behind it, because even sitting with it, we still might feel empty. Okay, I feel empty. Where's that emptiness coming from? And you can sit and journal the whole thing out and still decide, I want the cookie. Go eat it. Don't deprive yourself. It's that conscious but choice. And use it as an invitation. Mm -hmm. I love the Would questions that you have because you're having people go within and then they still can make that choice after. But they have the information. It's not a reactionary, mindless choice. It's a, I still want the cookie. Maybe I won't now eat eight cookies, but maybe I just want one cookie. Right. Or maybe I want eight today because, you know, whatever. But you're encouraging people to go within, get curious, understand what else is going on. And, and it doesn't mean you're going to get the answer right away. <laughs> you won't sometimes get the answer right away. Yeah. I mean, I hit you for days or weeks later. Yeah. Honestly. And so do you think that the pain is the pain or the unmet need is old is it mostly when there's that kind of habitual pattern, like old pain, childhood pain, inner child stuff, or do you feel it can be current or, and, or both? Um, both. Both. Because some, I believe something in the now is awakening something from the past. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. So not everything, because we could certainly have a new trauma. We can certainly have something happened in my life. I could have gotten a car accident yesterday and I was never in a car accident before. And no one I ever knew was in a car accident before. So I never had a coping skill for that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm now dealing with this for the very first time. So a hundred percent, I don't want people to to listen to this and think, oh, everything's related to the past because people kind of get a little pissy with me about that. They, they do. Everything doesn't have to be related to the past. No, it doesn't, but mostly. Because by the time we reach the ripe over age that I'm at, there's been a lot of life experience. Though so there's always going to be something new, but the way I cope with something new is going to be informed by the way I cope with something in the past, if I didn't heal it. I agree with that 100%, because a perfect example would be COVID is mm -hmm. new, right? All of us dealing with the pandemic is a new trauma for a lot of us. But like, even for me, when I had COVID, what was being triggered was my fear around sickness when I was a kid. Like I didn't have adults in my life that modeled good coping skills when it came to people being sick. What I saw was scared, you know, anxious, worried. So then my whole adult life, anytime someone was sick, including when I had COVID, that's what came up. That's what I had to heal. And I did heal it as I shared, um, you know, in various places that I realized and learned and healed that I'm the only one who can show up for myself. I am an adult. I'm a 52-year-old woman. I'm not an eight-year-old little girl. And that 52-year-old had to show up and take care of the scared eight-year-old. So to your point, I agree that even though the situation was current, it was definitely triggering old stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's informed from somewhere. You know, in, in my book, I talk about um, when my mother died, which was mm -hmm. two years ago in March. And I'm, you never forget those moments in your life. And that was the first time that ever happened, right? I never had a mother die before. She was my only mother. So in that moment, right when she died, and we, my sisters and I are waiting in the hallway outside and the doctor and nurses are in the room. I was hysterical, of course. How could you not be hysterical? But what I had learned to do, which helped me so much, is I learned to be present. Mm -hmm. That's what I've been learning to do all these years, to be present. So though that is probably to this point in my life, the single most painful moment, I will remember always how present I was and how I was consciously breathing through it talking myself through it, focusing on my breath and moving in and with the moment. So that did not become trauma. Mm. That did not become complicated grief. So I wouldn't have known that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, right? Thank God I knew it now because it helped me. Right. To have that conscious awareness in that moment. So it was a new thing that happened, but it could have become a trauma that would still be affecting me now, as many people are traumatized by loss of close relatives, 
not because the loss isn't painful, not because the loss isn't real, not because we don't miss that person, but because it gets stuck in our cellular memory as a trauma because we haven't processed through it. Exactly. That's such a beautiful example. And in that moment, when you were so present, you know, and just like how you explained yesterday, you were present for those feelings. So you breathe through them. Then you're also not expanding that pain outward and you're not dumping it on other people. So I would imagine during the loss of your mother, you being able to stay present, you didn't get swept up in potentially others or bring them into your story. And so the sitting with our pain and healing and being present also supports others around us, which is that, that gift that it expands out. It's the, you know, we hear it all one is a million. So you being present supported your family system through that grieving process as well, while you were present for yourself. So right. meeting your needs first is key and feeling a hundred percent. We have to, and people don't like to do that, especially mothers. You know, we don't like to do that, but we have to, because, you know, then we can't help anyone else. And it's that whole airplane, you know, oxygen mask metaphor, but it's so true. So true. So I have another question about the pain then. Um, And I don't know if this is just my experience and I'm alone in it, but I doubt it. Um, So that's why I'll ask the question to help other people listening. So I do understand and get the value in sitting with the pain. We have to do that, right? You can't go around the pain. You have to go through it to come out on the other side. So I 100% get that. Sometimes when I'm sitting with the pain, I feel like the pain is an abyss. Like literally, like it just is, I'm just falling into this deep abyss and it feels very overwhelming and very strong and very intense. Do you recommend that if people are starting this practice of sitting with pain, that there's maybe a limit or a certain amount of time that you do it for? Are there certain or just sit with it for as long as possible? You know, is there an easier, gentler way if you feel overwhelmed? Should you stop and back off, come back to it? That kind of thing. Because sometimes I feel like, oh, my God, it's going to literally swallow me whole. Of course, it's only energy, so I know that's not going to happen, but it feels like it, right? From an inner child standpoint, it feels like, oh my God, this pain is so big. It's going to swallow me whole is like the best way I can describe it. I totally get that feeling. And I think sometimes we can only sit with it as long as we can sit with it. And no, I don't think we should force ourselves to be in an abyss of pain, as you've described, longer than we can tolerate. We're just traumatizing ourselves then. Mm -hmm. But what I think is important is we find a way to give it some shape because when we get stuck in our own thoughts like that, I think that's when it can become an abyss because our thoughts just keep going and going and going and going. And it's hard to come back to the breath when our thoughts are out there. So That's why I I am a strong, strong uh, proponent of journaling because it gets it out of your head and that sitting there with it and journaling it at the same time will keep you from getting stuck in that swimming pool, not being able to touch the bottom. Because when we can't touch the bottom, that's like we're doing the 
uh, we're paddling there. I can't think of the word. Treading water. You're treading water. Treading water. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And we can't get to the side. Right. So if you can sit and journal, I encourage people stick their feet on the floor, really feel where you're sitting and journal and just write. And that will can help ground yours, ground you. That's when you are going to want to take something to eat that is nourishing, have something to drink that is warming to you. Put on music that will bring you out of wherever your subconscious mind has brought you to, because we still, we want to be present. Because if you're going into the abyss, while you're sitting with it, you've actually lost your ability to be present. Then you're somewhere else. You're not present. So we want to do some things that help us stay present. And so journaling, getting your feet on the floor, putting something in your body, put on some music, come back to now. Look at the date. Look at the time. It's sunny out. I'm wearing a red shirt, you know, whatever it is, and get get grounded. Because then we're not in it. If we're in an abyss, we're not in it. We got sucked in. <laughs> we got to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great suggestions. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tia. No, finish your thought. I was just going to say what I do now is I try to remind myself of um, the analogy of the ocean and the waves. So now like as I'm on the path longer in the healing journey, longer, my adult can step in and help my inner child. So I will say to myself in the self-talk that, you know, you are the ocean. These are just waves right now. This is a tsunami wave. This is a hurricane force wave. The ocean will settle down and become soon, but you are the ocean. These are just waves. And that does help. That's more of a grounding technique, really. For sure. That's great. I love that. I think the other questions, so you're giving these great tips for how to help us when we're in, in the muck, in the abyss. And isn't there, there's that value also of reaching out for help. Like we can't always heal alone you know, because we can journal ourselves and do all of this work. And, and depending at where we're at on that healing journey, maybe that's all we need. But we all know the three of us that there are times where we need to get that lifeline to ask for help. How do you support people who are ready to reach out, you know, take that hand and say, I need some support, I am stuck in this abyss, Mm -hmm. and I can't get myself out. So is it that invitation or is there a way to help people understand that asking for help because we can really get sucked by that undertow of that abyss mm-hmm. and not even realize, but the value of having that enlightened witness to hold that space for your pain. Cause you do so much of that. So can you maybe express to our listeners how having that witness for you when you're man or when you are, um, feeling and going deep within with that pain, how that can really help you move through that healing process with a little more support and potentially less stuckness? That's a long question. (laughs) No, I think it's a great question. And we all need support and help. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to both of you about this if I hadn't had my own amazing therapists and hypnotherapists to help me and energy healers I've worked with to help me along the way. There's no way I, there's no way I I not be at this point. So we all need someone, whether it's a coach, a therapist, a hypnotherapist, someone who's trained, who understands how to help you. 
we need that objective person to say you're not you did not you're not actually losing your mind that was really hard that's that was really hard we need someone to validate that for us and help us reframe those coping skills Mm -hmm. help us let go of those old belief systems see that they're not really working for us anymore and help you put new belief systems in place right the way i do it is not the right way for everybody there is no right way that's why there are so many different professionals out there but i encourage everyone no matter who you are to reach out to a coach a therapist a hypnotherapist and get that support because the books are great which is why i wrote my book to help people get started right but sometimes that opens up other areas. Wow, I want to go deeper. I've gotten so far, but now can we deconstruct this more? So I, this has been my career, right? So of right. course I'm going to value <laughs> going to someone for help. You know, mm-hmm. now my main focus is helping people with transformational hypnotherapy, you know, where we go deep every session to inner child wounds and do healing at a cellular level, but you don't have to do it that way. It's not for everybody. Yeah. You know, I, I want to, that's like a little disclaimer. This is hard work. It is not for everybody. <laughs> if well, you're like you said, go for it. Yeah. And there's different, like you said, there's different avenues and maybe one Avenue is what they need right now, but then in a year they need a different support system and a different method or adding that on top of it. And I think, it's such an individualized process for each person and helping them tap in to realize, wait, this is what I need right now. And the next step and the next step. So when you have someone in your office or on a zoom call, you know, with COVID and they're feeling a lot of resistance, like I can't go to this pain. It's too much. It's too much. How do you help them kind of chip away at that belief system or that recognizing, but this is, this is your path. This is how we heal. So how, how do you navigate people with resistance? I guess is my question. Yeah. Well, I think it kind of two things happen at the same time. Someone's coming to me because they're not resistant, right? Mm -hmm. Because they want to heal. They know this pain place. So then when we go into hypnosis The subconscious mind is like, oh, yeah, no, no, we ain't going there. We're not going there, right? I'm sure Kim experiences this with her clients. Yeah. But so we do have a conflict and we can't get the story, but the body never lies ever. So the person, my client might not have the story of the origin, but the body is holding the information. So I speak to the body and I get the body to tell me the story of what's going on. And by entering the body, by entering the chakras, by entering the cellular memory, then we get to the story. So there is resistance. The key is to be patient because also just as pain is an invitation to look deeper, resistance is also an invitation that's telling me, oh, something's here. I'm not going to give up on you. I might, I'm going to find a back door in. Maybe it's going to take us two sessions to get to all of it. But we will get there if you're willing to stick with it. 
because I know there's just a lot of fear in front. Fear is like always in the front. Yes. So we have to get behind the fear because the fear just came there to protect us and it believes it's helping us. If I'm afraid of this, I don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. But it also keeps you from yourself and keeps you from all the amazing greatness that you are. So the, if we can look at resistance also as a gift to showing you, oh, I'm resisting this. I need to go there. Yes. Yeah, and just recognizing and reframing those things that we are afraid of and realizing they are these these are the gifts mm-hmm. to step into your own healing. I'd love if you'd share, you talk about it in your book, but your spiral of healing. I think oh, it's sure. so brilliant. And it's, you know, for our listeners who don't have the book yet, definitely go pick up the book. Janet's book is amazing. But maybe give them a sneak peek of, of that part would be great. Sure. And then also, I know you've created the course around it and stuff. Oh, yeah, there is a course around it. But um, so the spiral of healing is a theory I've come up with based on all the years of work I've done. And it has four components. Feel, heal, grow, and love. And they sound separate, but they're not because we go through them all at the same time. So the spiral lives within us because healing happens within us. And I believe as we heal, we're going constantly up this spiral. And each time we go up the spiral, we're going through a level or a layer of feel, heal, grow, love. So each time we're healing, we're feeling something. And to feel means to be aware of a sensation or an experience in our body, right? So that we're just, what are we experiencing within us? And how is feeling that helping us transform, which brings us to heal, okay? And to heal means we are moving and shifting from one space to the other. So then as we're moving and healing, how is that healed part of us going to experience what's going on in our life now differently, right? Because now we've already put new coping skills in place because we've already gone through a healing process. So we're now we have more information. So our body, our cells, our coping skills can now use it differently to help us grow. And when we grow, we're breaking free. So what is it that you just broke free of? That you're now using this what you've healed in a new way in relation to this situation that you were feeling, which has also transformed, which brings us to the end, which is love. But love is not romantic love. That's lovely. It's about self-love, right? It's about what are I doing for me? I'm important. I count. I matter. And the feel and the heal and the grow is all supporting that. Right. So if we go back to Kim's example with her COVID that she got through successfully, thank God, um, she had to go through a whole process of looking back and unraveling and deconstructing what happened when she was a little girl and the whole belief systems that came down through culture and family about what being sick meant. Mm-hmm. And what's more scary right now almost than COVID. So she had to work through that. And in working through that, you go through all of these. You had to feel it. You had to heal it. You had to grow through it. And you had to find ways to love yourself again. So I hope there's not. 
But if there's ever another, if there's ever another health crisis you have to deal with for yourself or someone in your family, you won't go back to the coping skills from eight. You now have this new foundation where you're going to go up the spiral again mm-hmm. because you'll start there. So that's why we're always moving up it. So even if we have to deal with something similar or the same, we don't cope with it in the same way because we've healed it. So it doesn't have to be as bad or as painful. And we, and we just keep traveling up this spiral. It, it never ends. I hate to tell people that. But healing is a journey for your life. And you may as well get on it and start it because it's only going to get better for you if you do. Mm, right. I just love the image of that. And I love how you explain the process and you heal to this layer and then another outside influence comes in and now you're up here instead of back down here. So it's this building and building and building an expansion of that self-love, which expands out and the healing and recognizing, you know, I mean, just the example with Kim, she's not going to go back to her eight-year-old self, right? you know, and it's the next level and the next level. And so if we can embrace the journey and the pain gifts that are given to us as an opportunity to step into that spiral. What a shift. It's huge. It builds resilience. It builds agency. And, you know, I don't know if you have a lot of parents watching this, but for parents, when we can model this behavior for our children, then we can help them move through their life crises a little more easy. They still have to move through them. We can't rescue them. I think it's the hardest part of motherhood is watching mm-hmm. the emotional crisis of our children and not being able to rescue them. When they get a boo-boo, we can put a Band-Aid on it. We can't do anything about it. Yep. When they're in emotional pain as far as fixing it. But when we can understand that we can heal and move through it, and yes, you have to feel this and this stinks right now, mm-hmm. but just stay with it and let me help you. And do you want to journal or do you want to talk or I'm just here to listen and we help them reframe it in this way with these reframes. We're giving them skills for the rest of their life that I didn't have. Right. Neither did I. Going going back to, again, how I have healed that. And I do feel more empowered now when it comes to illness And I was telling Tia earlier and sharing that my daughter who's at school, she is having some symptoms. Well, we think it's from her first dose of the vaccine, but she wasn't sure if it was COVID or whatnot. And she's in her dorm room all alone, not feeling well, body, you know, and she last night got really nervous, really scared. And I was able to show up differently and have been able to show up differently for her in the sense that I'm like, okay, just, and I walked her through. I'm like, Ange, just like breathe right now. You're okay. You know, you're, you're fine. You you know, you'll get your COVID test. You'll wake up in the morning. You just need to feel your pillows, feel your bed. You're, you're all right. You know, in this moment, because she was really 10 steps ahead of her. What if it's COVID? I got to come home and blah, 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 blah. She was, the fear brought her so into the future of what's going to happen if I get sick. And I just kept bringing her back to like right now in this moment. I wouldn't have been able to do that before my own healing. Right. Because you would have got caught up in her anxiety. 
right? And that's always going to be in the future or from the past. Yeah. There's no anxiety mm-hmm. in the present moment. Mm-hmm. There's not. It's impossible. Right. We can't hold anxiety and be present. Yeah, I love that. That's a good saying. And it's true. Mm-hmm. It's very true. Yeah. So incredibly true. So how do we, like, what's a tip you would give a listener right now to find the present moment? Oh, I was like, what about what? <laughs> it's oh, coming. I it's coming. A whole bunch of tips um, to find the present moment right now. Yeah, because you were just talking about how yeah. I mean that you know you yeah, explained it with your mom and just now it's such an important tool, it's but she, people don't know how to find it. Yeah, the breath. Mm-hmm. I know it seems cliche, but the breath. What I was talking about before. Sit down. Put your feet on the floor. Look out the window. Look at the day. Look at the time. Say it out loud. Today is this day. It's 11 in the morning. I'm sitting on a white chair. The rug is brown. The TV's on. It's 8 in the morning. I have a red shirt. And you do all of this self-talk to bring you present. And then if you go off again into anxiety, no, come back. I'm breathing. Put your hand on your heart. Oh, I can feel my heart beating. Mm. I can feel my chest rise and fall. In this moment, I'm okay. And just reground. I mean, that is honestly the best way to quickly bring yourself back is to reorient yourself to the here and now. Mm -hmm. Some people can't access the breath. That actually can be triggering for people, especially if, say, you're having a panic attack. Well, then you're chest breathing. So, like, coming back to that is just going to make you more anxious. So... Ground yourself in present moment. Mm. What do you see around you? Where are you? What are you wearing? What's the date? What's the time? Over and over and over again. Because we're going to slip out of it. So you just got to keep coming So you always have to come back. Yeah. Always have to come back. And I love how you went to the breath, but then you brought in those other aspects to help bring you back to the present moment for the exact reason that you just described. Because sometimes going on our breath actually can really rev rev up the sympathetic system based on how we are breathing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's a whole um, school of uh, thought on trauma sensitive mindfulness. So I think it's important um, to realize that for some people being on the breath or being in meditation can Mm -hmm. actually be a trauma trigger. So that's why it's really, really important to have those concrete ways to be present in your toolbox because it doesn't always have to be mindfulness and meditation because for some people that's not safe because it almost feels like they're leaving and it causes a dissociation as opposed to a reintegration. Mm -hmm. So we want to reintegrate, not dissociate. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so good. Kim, do you have any other questions? No, this has been an amazing, amazing conversation. So helpful. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good, Janet. <laughs> so do you have before I'm going to ask you a couple questions at the end. But before I do that, are there any anything you want to share with the listeners just before we start to wrap up? Trust yourself. Mm. Honestly, trust yourself. If you're hearing little whispers, I need to, I should, I wonder if I would feel better if, trust yourself. You're not making these thoughts up. They're coming from your true self. They're coming from that part of you that's really longing to be heard, to be seen, to be cared for. 
And guess what? You're the only one who can do that. Mm. No one can do it for you. Someone can do it with you. Someone can support you through it. But you have to take those first steps. Mm. So listen to those whispers that you're hearing. They're there for a reason. You're not hallucinating. You're hearing the voice of your true self. Oh, beautiful. All right. So I'm going to ask you five questions. Just trust yourself for whatever comes up. Rapid fire. <laughs> yeah. Just like Brene Brown. Go for it. <laughs> All right. So what is the most prominent mask that you feel you wear? Ooh, um, oh, God, I don't have a rapid fire answer. What is the most prominent? Uh, what was the word? Prominent or what mask do you prominent, What prominent, one shows prominent. up in your life most frequently, even as infrequently as it does because of all the work? Um, I, I think I use a mask of like, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm even when maybe I'm not sure it's going to be okay, mm -hmm. but I am like, nope, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I trust the guidance I'm being given. I ask for help and support. And that helps me calm my anxiety. Beautiful. Love it. If you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Oh God, I've hardly been anywhere. So that's <laughs> such a good question. I was listening to a conversation today about Belize and it really got me really curious. So I think Belize would definitely be on uh, one of my places to go. I recommend it. It's beautiful. Ooh, thank you. <laughs> and I think you can go there now fully vaccinated. I'm just saying, Ooh, I think well, it's I'm open. See, maybe. <laughs> What is your favorite way to take care of yourself? Um, my favorite way to take care of myself, honestly, is to do nothing sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm always so busy doing, doing, doing. Yeah. And sometimes I truly like to sit and do nothing, even for 10 minutes. I just mm -hmm. sit. I don't meditate. I don't exercise. I literally do nothing. I need off. I need like off time. Permission to rest. Mm, that's a good way to, to put I it. I love that. We, and so many of us don't do that. Yeah. Oh, so good. All right. This is kind of like, where would you go anything in the world, but not necessarily. What would be your number one thing on your bucket list if you have a bucket list? I don't really have a bucket list. Um, it's not funny. I really don't have a bucket list. I can like honestly say that. I'm not a big adventure person. Um, this doesn't have to be adventure. It could be I'm resting. Really think. I don't really, I don't really keep a bucket list. So what would be my thing? I think I, I really just want to retire and have peace. Mm. I think that's I like I, I don't want pulls on my time. So I don't really know what that would look like, but that's what I fantasize about. Like, yeah. can I just have no pulls on my time and just have freedom, you know, oh. and I don't have a form to what that, actually yeah. would be or when that will actually happen oh i love that so so good and the last one name one book that's changed your life only one i can only name one <laughs> oh. oh tia if you could see my bookshelf how do i name one book that has changed my life you know i, I want to say the awakened family by dr shafali because that was the final um piece of my puzzle mm -hmm. when I was pulling um, things together, but Daring Greatly by Brene Brown and my very first hypnosis book I ever read called The Wizard Within, which is actually out of print now, mm -hmm. was um, 
when I was learning hypnosis was also uh, mind blowing to me. Wow. Yeah. And just because we asked for one doesn't mean we have to follow the rules. Yeah. Sorry, Among Us. No, it's good. It's I can't pick one. I, the amount of books in my house and in my bookshelf in my office, and mm-hmm. I'm an avid reader, so it's impossible. Yeah. You know, and you didn't even ask me about nonfiction. So that would that's be a whole different discussion. <laughs> That could be an episode right there. There you go. <laughs> well, thank awesome. you, Janet. Kim's going to wrap us up here. This has been yeah, amazing. Thank you so much. This conversation was amazing. It just flowed. And I love how it just takes its turn where it's supposed to go. The fact that we talked about food was like no coincidence. So I love that. So thank you so much. If people want to contact you, how can they reach you or find you? The best thing to do is to go to my website, janetphilbin.com, and anything you want to know about me, if they want to book a consultation, access to my book, access to my courses, it's all there. So that's just the easiest place, access to my social media. It's it's all there. Fantastic. And Tia mentioned that you have a gift for the listeners. I do. Thank you for reminding me. It is a 30-minute guided meditation and journaling experience. So I encourage everyone to have a journal right next to them before they start it, because I'm going to lead you through a meditation. And then we're going to go right into a journaling exercise. And it's about healing a part of you that is in pain. Mm, Awesome. Just just what we need after this amazing conversation. So the link for that will be in the show notes, everyone. Um, You can access that along with Janet's website too. Absolutely. Any closing thoughts? I don't think so. I love you guys. You do such a great service to your listeners. And I love talking about all these masks and how we wear them to protect us and what we need to do to heal so we can put those masks down. So bravo to both of you. Thank you so much. And thank you for being here. It was absolutely amazing. It was. Thank you. Thanks, Janet. Everyone have a lovely day. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Masks Off. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe and share with friends and family. Check out the show notes for how to contact us. Remove your masks 